Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at so glad you made it here today. Uh, it is good to be here on Super Bowl Sunday. Pretty much everyone forgot the memo. It's Jersey Day. That's all right. Some of you are judging me. Some of you are, you've asked, you probably, you've thought that why does he look like a 12-year-old boy? Well, I thought we were all going to look like 12-year-old boys and girls today. So I feel a little awkward here. Uh, if you want to send an email because you want to critique my dress, uh, we just won't respond to that or my outfit. If you're not a Cowboy fan, God bless you. We still love you. We bless our enemies here at Capitol Church. Um, but next week, uh, if this is maybe your second, third, or fourth time, come back. I promise next week I'll wear a suit for you. All right? All right. Well, um, I'm excited that you made it here today. Uh, how many of you were here last week? Okay, how many of you were blessed by Dr. Gary Brashear's message on forgiveness? Wasn't that amazing? He's the real deal, right? Yeah. He is the real deal, and uh, we're so honored to have him uh, with us. Last week, uh, how many of you would like him to come the following month or two or sometime maybe this year or whatever? He kept it light. He kept it light, but he can go deep. Everyone say he can go deep. Uh, but yeah, he is. If you, if you weren't here, uh, he's an extraordinary man. Uh, I would recommend if you're online as well watching this, you can go back to our last week's podcast and uh, check out his message online. All right. You ready? All right. I've, I've shared the story before, but it was, uh, I was early, early married and, uh, this would have been about 15, 14, 15 years ago. My wife and I, we just got done watching a movie. And uh, it was about 11 o'clock. We went to bed and uh, it was one of those nights. It was just really dark. I woke up about two o'clock. Everyone say two o'clock. No joke. I wake up a little bit confused, not quite sure where I was, but then I glanced into the corner and there was a man sitting there in the corner of my room. And I remember thinking, oh, I, I cannot wait to get into a fight right now. I like some homeboy, and it looked like it, it, it was silhouetted. I could kind of barely see. Again, I'm, everything's a little bit fuzzy. I'm waking up uh, out, of a, out of a deep sleep, and it looks like that there's a man crouching there um, wanting to do something nefarious. And so I remember like it, 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 five seconds. I don't know. It could have been three seconds. I'm processing what to do. And so I finally come to the conclusion that I'm going to give my life to save my wife, and she's going to love me. She's going to think I'm a hero, all that kind of stuff. So adrenaline is dripping in my body. I throw off the blankets. And as I'm about ready to lunge towards this man in the corner of the room, my wife hits the light switch. The lights go on. And in the corner of the room is a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) My wife goes, what in the heck are you doing, Chris? I'm like, be quiet. Woman, no, I didn't say that. I would never say that. I'm like, well, babe, it's a long story. Just go back to bed, all right? It's funny is that the light exposed or illuminated the darkness. That's what light does. 
And we come to our passage here today out of 1 John. I can't break down it expositionally uh, here because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And so we only have our attention span is a little bit short here today. So I'm just going to give you the broad sketches of this, this powerful passage. It's about dealing with our stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you got to deal with your stuff. All right, turn to your other neighbor. Don't say bad words. And say, so you got to deal with your shiz. Yeah. Don't say bad words. Some of you are like, can you say that? Yes, you can say that in church. So we come to this passage out of the gospel of John. John tells us in first John in this letter that God is light. The metaphor is a provocative or apt description of God's character. In other words, God is utterly truthful. Verse five, John tells us God is light and in him is no darkness. So all that means is that if light exposes what is there in the darkness, then God is the embodiment of truth. Please hear me. This is what John is saying. Cannot but expose all that is in us or in our world. In other words, God does not broker or work in pretending. He only works in truthing. This is a provocative statement because our culture, this is largely lost and absent in our culture. So God is the God of what? Truth. God is light. And what does light function? It functions to expose the darkness. The Gospel of John tells us very clear that Jesus came and he is full of what? Grace and truth. So, so grace and truth are inseparable. Right? You can't get grace without truth. Grace without truth is not grace. But truth without grace is not truth. Right? They're, they're intertwined. They're, they're, they're inseparably linked. They're bound up together. So when we talk about today, over the next 20 minutes, truth, truth is not what many people think, and, and it's a popular misconception in our culture, that it's something like this. It's the cold, hard facts. Truth. Okay, I'm going to be a person of truth, so I'm going to take some passages, and I'm going to clobber people with it. Right? Like you're a WWE wrestler. Come on, man. You ain't. Truth is not when God comes because he could only broker in truth and he could only see you as you really are. So when we come to God, we can't play pretend. The good news is that, is that God exposes the darkness in our heart, not to shame us, but to bring healing and freedom. What does Jesus say to his disciples? You shall know my word. And as you begin to know my word and abide in it, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So our participation in the truth, everyone say confession. As we participate in the truth of who we are in confession, which we do in a place of prayer, when we do with other people that we trust in our lives, is the foundation for spiritual growth and maturity if you want to grow today, if you want to be who God has called you to be, if you just don't want to hobble through life with all these defects and wounds and dysfunction and sins that hijack the good purposes of God in your life, we have to practice confession. 
Confession is how we participate with the God of truth. Verse nine says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Come on, somebody. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This confession leads us into this reality, this participation with the Holy Spirit. And it's this interplay of truth as we see how God sees us, as we see our own sin and our own wounds and our own brokenness and our own shame. And God comes and meets us not with judgment and condemnation, but with grace and healing and forgiveness. We are then set free. So what is, what is the foundational piece to growing in maturity with Jesus? Before I answer that question, let me just say this really quick. Is it possible to be a son and daughter of King Jesus, to belong to the family of God and yet not have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Is it possible to come on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for years and years and years and no basic doctrine in your head and be spiritually and profoundly immature? Is that possible? Yes. So how do we grow up? How do we flourish in the kingdom of God? Well, John tells us in verse nine, we have to practice confessing our sins. So what is sin? We talk about this a lot. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, but it can be defined as missing the mark. Uh, a better definition is this sin is the failure to live up to God's definition of reality. You can say it even more practically, sin is anti-love, it's, it's anti-God. Sin, we, we, we talked about this uh, many weeks ago, sin is ignoring the presence of God in your life. Sin is not just doing wrong, bad things, like you go to a candy store and you kill, you kill, you kill candy, right? You steal candy, like, right, you're a kleptomaniac or whatever, right? That's not simply what sin is. Sin is, at, at its essence, is ignoring the reality of God's presence and truth in your life. We can talk more about sin, but I'm not going to define the anatomy of sin here today. The effects of sin is what I want to focus on. They happen in three ways in our lives. Number one, sin is done through us. There are patterns and habits and rhythms that take us away from God, which the Bible expects that we understand we're accountable for. You and I are responsible for the sin that is done through us. Two, sin is also done to us. Many of us, all of us, have been on the wrong end of a curse or maybe an unloving relationship or something that, is, something that has happened to us that has caused wounds. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. Three, sin is also done in our presence that defiles us. So sin is done through us, sin is done to us, sin is done in our presence which defiles us. But John says this, we live, and he's, in, he's assuming something about our world. Our world is in need of cleansing. Why? Because we all have experienced all three different aspects of sin. We know sin is, right? We've participated in sin, sin happens through us. Sin is done to us, and then sin is done in our presence. So sin, number one, sin through us. 
That could be explosive anger, right? Your team loses and you lose your whatever, your mind. Or maybe in your relationship, your, let's say your relationship with your spouse, you find that there, there are trigger words that happen, like you always or whatever, right? There's, there's things that have been simmering in your relationship and you become explosively angry over certain issues in your marriage and your marriage is unraveling at the seams because of anger. It could be chronic jealousy, right? It could be your inability to deal with the resentment and the bitterness in your heart. Some of you have experienced many difficult things in your life and you've yet to really deal with the resentment in your heart. It could be judgmentalism. It could be lust. It could be the depersonalization of other people. We could go on and on and on. How many of you would say, yes, Chris, I have experienced sin going through me and affecting other people? Everybody raise your hand, right? We understand that. That's number one, sin done through us. Number two, sin done to us. Sin done to us is the great cause of woundedness and damage to our souls. Many of us struggle with, with worthlessness or a chronic sense of inadequacy. Many of us live from a curse because a mom or dad or an authority figure said something to us about us. And that word is still defining how we think about ourselves right now. Many of us are living from a sin consciousness or excuse me, a curse consciousness because someone sinned against you. Some of you here today struggle with perfectionism because your dad said this or your mom said this and you need to do this. And so you struggle in profound ways with perfectionism. We could go on and on and on. Generally speaking, our culture really struggles with what one sociologist calls ontological likeness. So when you strip away human doing, we don't know how to be a human being because our ultimate worth derives from our work. We are achievatrons. We got to make things happen. We got to work, 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 work. Is that a song? I don't know. <laughs> but you got to work, you got to work, and you got to work. And our ultimate value, ultimate value derives from work. A lot of that can be traced back to living from a cursed consciousness. It can be traced back to a word that's been spoken over you. It could be traced back to a wound, a damaged soul. We all experience this. In fact, dysfunction and wounds are hardwired in all of our bodies. I've said this many times, but there's a book called Keeping the Score. It basically says that our bodies carry the trauma and the memories of trauma in our bodies. We don't forget the body keeps the score of the trauma and the sin done to us and even through us and even done in our presence. One author says this for nearly two decades, and this guy is like an incredible pastor, and this is his own honest confession. I'd ignored the emotional component in my spiritual growth and relationship with God. It didn't matter how many books I read or how much I devoted myself to prayer, I would remain stuck in repeated cycles of pain and immaturity. I discovered that in my life, it's a lot like an iceberg. I was aware of only a fraction of it and largely unaware of the, hidden, the hiddenness or what was this hidden mass beneath the surface, and that hidden mass would then wreak havoc on my family and ministry. This is the result, as he said, of wounds and trauma that he never addressed in his own life. Number three, we have sin done in our presence. It defiles us. You've seen things growing up. Maybe you were a third party to some evil act, and it stained your consciousness. 
The good news is that chapter two of 1 John 1 through 2, and I want to read this really quick, says this about all three aspects of sin, sin done through us, sin done to us, and sin done in our presence. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning in different translations, the atonement or the atonement work for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. In other words, Jesus took the sin done through you, the sin done to you and the sin done to your pre- in your presence in his own body. And he transforms it and he releases, if you are in Christ, his blessing, his love, his forgiveness on you. Can I get an amen, church? I want to restate this again, but I've been saying this over and over for the last six or seven months. The problem with with us is not necessarily that we sin. That is a great problem. I am not minimizing sin and all three aspects of sin that I just articulated. I think those things need to be addressed. But the big problem is our unwillingness to be honest about our sin. Right? M. Scott Peck said this, he defined evil as the people of the lie. He argues this, please hear me. Evil is built on the edifice edifice of self-deception. In his words, evil is the exercise of political power. By political power, he does not mean politics. He means our ability to manipulate people. But he says, evil is the exercise of political power. That is the imposition of one's will upon others in order to avoid spiritual growth. What is evil? Evil is self-deception. Evil, by definition, is not just sin per se. It's the unwillingness or the capacity to avoid spiritual growth and change and being exposed to the lie. Truly evil people don't even know that they're evil because they're unwilling to address the truth about them. We tend to do this. Is it okay we talk about this? I know we, I'll get some amens here pretty quick, okay? But here's the thing. We tend to airbrush our self-portraits. Right? I just love social media because it's a case study or it's an experiment on how we try or attempt to manage our image. Right? We curate this fabulous life on whatever social media platform you're on. I'm not on any of them anymore because I can't handle it, right? Right, because behind the scenes you have this fabulous life on social media, but behind the scenes there are so many people experiencing dysfunction and lifelessness and broken marriages. We can go on and on and on. But social media, I just think, is a great expose on how we're trying to manage our image. Right? It's virtue singling. We go signaling, and we can go on and on and on. But the Bible tells us this is the this is the great story of world history. In other words, the historical arc of the world always bends towards image control. 
This is the problem when it comes to confession. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that Adam and Eve hid themselves from God's loving presence. Hid themselves from God's loving presence. So here's the truth about us today. The truth is we cannot change what we don't face. Adam and Eve hid themselves from God's loving presence. They, they hid in shame and anxiety and fear. And they tried, even as Mark talked about it earlier, they tried to cover themselves up. They tried to clean themselves up. Right, Mark? They tried to, they tried to disguise the real essence of what they had become. And the truth is today, if you want to change, how many people want to change? How many want to grow? How many of you want to flourish? And it's okay if you don't want to change. Just be honest about it. Because that's the starting point. If you could be honest that I don't want to change, and you could be honest about that, that's your starting your way towards getting to the point where you could honestly say, I actually do want to change, right? The truth is we cannot change what we don't face. My professor says this often. He goes, bad things grow in the dark. Really bad stuff grows in the dark. Uh, a while, remember the snow apocalypse? Remember 2016? It was the greatest winter of our lives. Can I get any man of that? <laughs> if you like snow, we had like 32 inches. We lived downtown and we had 32 inches. I was measuring it every day. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so remember we had floods after that and it was, it was torrential and things were nuts. Right after that was springtime, and I remember I went out and we had a, a nice little um, wood table that we had left outside the, the entire winter, and we had turned it upside down. So I go outside, and uh, I'm trying to clean up the yard, and so I decide I'm going to turn this. Maybe I can uh, help this table. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going I'm to clean it up. I'm going to clean the backyard. I'm going to impress my wife. I'm going to be a really handy guy today. Wow. It was delusional. Um, so I remember, okay, the first thing I need to do is I got to take this upside down table and turn it right side up. I turn it right side up and it was like I was staring at the apocalypse. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You've turned something up that's been down in the dark for a while and it's just nasty as you, right, as you uncover it and you, you see what's happening. I, to this day, there are apocalyptic creatures that I cannot name. I'm not joking. There was one black furry creature that looked part snail, part centipede, and part something demonic. And it scurried out. And I'm like, and I'm like you know what? Sorry, table. You're I, not going to do nothing right today. Bad things grow in the dark, right? Awful, apocalyptic creatures grow in our inner life if we don't expose them to the light that we find in Jesus. Remember, the truth of Jesus is full of grace. And the grace of Jesus is full of truth. Are you hearing me? So when we expose the contents of our heart, our inner world, that which lies beneath us, our ex external world, right? Largely unconscious in our life. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, that is when we find freedom. 
If bad things grow in the dark, people, the good news is good things grow in the light. Good things always grow in the light. Photosynthesis, right? I'm not going to break that down because I fully don't understand it, all, all of it. But good things grow in the light. And here's the thing that we find in 1 John. He is optimistic that God wants to cleanse us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to heal us. He wants to transform us. That is, that is his desire. As I said before, you don't have to hobble through life. You don't have to be, oh, I'm a sinner. No, you can be a son and daughter of the king of kings who, yes, sins, but we have an advocate and his name is Jesus. And he went to the cross on our behalf. He is the lamb of God who removes the pollution and the sin and the dysfunction of our lives. He is a good God. As one author said this, we are most like beasts when we kill and we are most like people when we judge, but we are most like God when we forgive. And the point that I want to make is God is a forgiver. It's his desire to forgive and to cleanse and to wash and to remove that sin pattern from your life and to heal that trauma and the woundedness and the brokenness that you carry in your body and in your brain every single day. You don't, this is the good news, you don't have to hobble through life addicted to porn, addicted to chronic inadequacy, addicted to the exhausting nature of perfectionism. You don't have to be addicted to anxiety. You don't have to give in to your wounds and the weaknesses that shape all of us you can truly be set free by the advocate, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve moved away. Many of us are familiar with this story. Moved away from God through their rebellion. Yet, I love this story, verse 8. God comes to Adam and Eve, not as a storm theophany. He's not bellowing. He's not yelling. He's not cussing. He's not ready to annihilate Adam and Eve because they rebelled against him. Rather, what we find in verse 8 is God's loving care as he walks towards Adam and Eve. And this is what's so startling. He asked them four questions. Four questions. The world will never be the same again. God's creation project has been in fundamental ways ruined and spoiled. And yet God does not come to annihilate Adam and Eve. He comes with four questions. Verses 9 through 13, God asks, where are you? Is God struggling with his memory? Is God trying to figure things out? No, he's not. God knows exactly what's happening. He asked them the question, where are you? He then asked them, who told you that you were naked? Verse three, or the third question, excuse me. He says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the fourth question is, what is this that you have done? Four questions. 
Just simple, loving questions. Of course, God knows the answer. Of course, God knows what is going on in his garden and with Adam and Eve. What is God doing then? God's doing something really simple. He is inviting Adam and Eve into confession. How do you know that God loves you? It's when you fill in your heart and your mind that pull to confess your sins. And yet we're taught in our culture, we're catechized in our culture that we got to conceal, right? It's part of our twisted, the twisted human condition nature of who we are. Right? Even the Satan will do whatever he can to try to shame you into not confessing your sin and the wounds and the dysfunction that are hardwired into your brain and into your body. But God invites us into confession. Why? Let me say it again. Not so he can shame you. He does it because he wants to bring healing and transformation in your life. Remember, we cannot change what we don't face. Confession is the rock bottom reality for transformation. God has great purposes for everyone in this room, every son and daughter in this room. This is the Holy Spirit told me in December. I mentioned this before over our prayer and worship weekend that 2023 is, is going to be a year of healing for our church community. There's some deep healing that God wants to do in your heart, in your mind, and in your bodies. There's some, there's, some, there's some sin patterns that God wants to set you free. There's some cycles of immaturity and pain and woundedness that God wants to just decimate so you can learn to be a whole person. That you can grow in the joy and the peace that God has for you. That is God's dream and intention for every person here today. So our practice this is what I want you to do this week. If you want it, you don't have to do this. I'm not going to force you. I prefer that you would do this. But you could take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. You could do this in a place of prayer. You could also do this with someone else that you trust. Prayer and someone you could trust. You could do this in prayer and you could do this with someone you trust. But I want us to um, reflect on our lives because in confession, in confession, we have to practice reflection. So this week, our practice is this. In confession, I'm inviting you into a place of self-reflection. Are you hearing me today? So how do we reflect? Here are four questions in a place of prayer and with someone that you trust. It's, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a best friend, maybe it's a parent, whatever. These are four questions that I want you to ask yourself. Number one, are you, and this is how we change. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. Number one, um, if we get that up behind me, do we have that? Number one, do I have a bigger vision for change than not to change? I want, want you to ask yourself this question this week in a place of prayer. Do I have a bigger vision? Everyone say vision for change than not to change. In other words, are, are there 
Do you have good reasons, compelling reasons for change that are bigger than reasons not to change? Is that clear in your head? Right? I think so many times we have a bigger vision for not changing than to change. And we have to deal, we, we, we have to do work in a place of prayer if our vision for not changing is bigger than our vision for changing. Do you have compelling reasons to change? I think one of the, the hangups for a lot of people when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit is we just have more compelling motivations and reasons to not change than to change. So this is our starting point. Do we have a big vision, compelling reasons to change and to open up our life to King Jesus than not to change and to close ourselves off to his presence? I think what you need to do, I know this is really practical, but I think this is really important in a place of prayer. And after you talk to maybe several people that you trust about these questions and maybe different things that the Holy Spirit brings to light in your life, I think you need to specifically write this down. But number one, do we have bigger reasons for change than not to change? And it presupposes, this, this question here really quick, presupposes um, that we believe that God can change us. And that's my question, because some of us, we get, we get caught up in cycles of pain and immaturity or we get caught up in sin patterns and we just, we tried to break them and we were unable to break them. And so what do we do? We kind of, we, we kind of give up. So as we, as we begin this, we'll call it a journey into the healing and the, the deep transformation of the Holy Spirit in 2023, we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that God is big enough? We live in an age of skepticism, right? And I think many times we, we, we yield or we give consent to the skepticism of our age. We have to ask ourselves, God, and it's, it's okay to be honest. God, I know abstractly that you're big enough to help me in this area, but I need more help to believe that. If that's where you're at, that's totally fine. But this is where we start when it comes to the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Do we believe that God is big enough to change me, us? Number two, what is God asking me to change? What is God asking me to change? It's so important that we become really specific. If you want to change, we have to have compelling reasons to change. We have to believe that God can really change us, but we have to identify what we feel like God is asking us to change. Be specific. I could talk more about that, but we need to go. We need to pray here. Number three is what I'm doing right now leading me to the person God wants me to be. Is what I'm doing right now leading me to be the person God wants me to be? Right now, you are perfectly designed to get the results you are practicing in this moment. Did you know that? I'll say that again. It's a quote. I can't remember from who, but you perfectly design. You are perfectly right now designed to get the results you are practicing right now. Your habits. We all have habits. I'm going to talk about that in the next few weeks. But your habits, your rhythms, your practices will give you the results 
will give you the results that you intend them to get. You are perfectly designed to get the results you are practicing right now. So the question that we have to ask ourselves in prayer and with other people is what I'm doing right now leading me to the person God wants me to be. If I truly want change, have I restructured my life around being with King Jesus? This, this, these questions require honesty and transparency. And finally, number four, ask yourself this question. What are the consequences of not changing? What are the consequences of not changing? Write it out. If I don't change, what will happen to my marriage? If I don't change, what will happen with my kids, my grandkids? If I don't change, what will happen to my health? If I don't change, what will happen to my mind? If I don't change, and we're not trying to catastrophize. Are you hearing me? We're not trying to be, oh, like really, really negative, but I think it helps. I think contrast is really important. We start with a bigger vision that God wants to change us, and then we end with, okay, if I don't change, what's gonna happen? What am, I, what am I gonna be in the next five years? Remember, the human condition has an incredible, astonishing capacity for self-deception. Change isn't going to accidentally happen. Right? Bam, one day, three weeks from now, without you doing one thing, you're like, I arrived. I made it. And we'll talk more about this later. But we have to ask ourselves the question, if I don't change, what will happen? What are the negative consequences? So this week, our practice, practice is an invitation into self-reflection. Not, please hear me, not Christian navel-gazing, where we become obsessed about ourselves or we become petty little narcissists, right? And we forget about everybody else and we're just so obsessed about our soul and all that kind of stuff. No, in a place of prayer, place of confession with other people, you're just honest as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, honest about who you are. You confess that and you go to someone that you trust and you work out that confession with them. We all need somebody, right? that can help us along the way, that can give us counsel, that can give us direction, that probably sees blind spots that we don't see. Here's the beginning of change. Here's the beginning of transformation. Let us practice this this week. And I really believe that God is gonna do a deep, transformative work in your life. And everyone said amen. 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 I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your grace today. I thank you that you are the great advocate I thank you, Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, you're not just the great I was, you're the great I am. I thank you that your, your unique, special, loving presence is here today with us. On this Super Bowl Sunday, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're bringing us into your loving truth. And I thank you, Father, for freedom and healing to take place in our lives this year. I thank you that you would come to the trauma and the dysfunction that is hardwired in our brain and our bodies. And you would just bring healing and freedom and peace and life. I thank you for the sin patterns 
that have beset us, the cycles of sin and the things that move us away from your presence. Holy Spirit, in your love, I thank you that you would come and bring those to light. And Lord, as we confess our sins to you, I thank you that you're not only good enough to forgive us, you also have the power to wash and to cleanse us of all defilement. So I thank you today that we would have a bigger vision, a more compelling vision for transformation and change than not change. I thank you as we ask these questions in reflection, in prayer, that you would do a deep work in our hearts and our minds. So I thank you, Father, for your presence today. We say yes to you, Holy Spirit, to what you want to do in us. As we're praying, your eyes are closed. You would say, Chris, I just want to respond to this message. I, I know there's, there's, I need some forgiveness. I need some healing. I want to be a truth person. I don't want to walk in the darkness. Man, I want to walk in the light. In fact, walking in the darkness is exhausting. Can I get an amen, church? Maybe you're exhausted and you're tired and you're worn out and you're like, God, I, this exhaustion is not just physical, but it's spiritual. And I, I just, I'm coming to you today and I'm thanking you that you're my advocate and that you atone for the sins of the world. You're my healer. By your stripes and your wounds, I'm healed. If there's anyone that's right now that's suffering from shame, maybe from past history stuff, pray by your power that you would set them free. I thank you that addictions today are being broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have struggled with deep and profound addictions. It's affected even the neural pathways of your brain and there's just, you, you, you gotta get your fix. I don't know what it is, but Father, I thank you today that you would break the cycle of addiction in this house and that your sons and daughters, you would set free as your truth comes to them. Father, I thank you that you are firing new passions, new dreams, new desires, new longings, new healing in our life. So we say yes to that, Holy Spirit. But as your eyes are closed, you would say, Chris, I want 2023 to be a year of transformation. I want to commit to what you're talking about this week. I want to practice these reflection questions. I want to ask these reflection questions, excuse me. And then I want to put them into practice. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you raise your hand, put it down, put it in your heart. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you for this wonderful community. I thank you that we're not first sinners if we're in Christ. It's not our essential identity. Our essential identity is that we're sons and daughters of the King. I thank you that we would know your love, the multifaceted dimensions of your love this week. Pour it out on us. Pour it in our hearts today. I thank you that the overflowing love of Jesus would flood our bodies and our brains and our lives and would bring healing. 
We know that healing is impossible where there's no love. And I thank you that the love of Jesus that surpasses all understanding would become a fresh reality to all of us. Thank you, Father, for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you that as we place our hands on our heart, we are making a commitment to change, We're making a commitment to build for the kingdom, to follow the Holy Spirit, and to let him do his work in us. So we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your work in us this week, this year. That work of healing, we say yes to. That work of trans transformation, we say yes to. That work of Jesus setting us free where we don't have to hobble anymore. How many of you don't want to hobble anymore, right? Come on. How many want to walk in victory and wholeness? Come on, somebody. I thank you that we can walk in that victory and that wholeness. It can happen. That sin could be a thing of the past that you struggled with for 25 years. You've dealt with for 25 years. It could be, become a thing of the past. So we thank you, Father. You're doing new things over Capitol Church. As your eyes are closed, I want to pray for one last group. You would say, Chris, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that cleansing work. Maybe you've followed Jesus before. And now you're kind of doing your own thing. Maybe you've really never made a decision to follow Jesus. Here's the thing, Jesus, and this is the gospel. Jesus is in charge of the universe. The Bible tells us he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that he died on the cross on our behalf to cleanse us from our sin and shame and wounds and all, all that stuff that we talked about. And that he bodily came back from the dead and now he is ruling in heaven over all of creation and he offers life and restoration and new possibilities and even partnership with him to build for his kingdom. And you would say, Chris, I want to be a part of that. I want to renew my commitment or I just want to make a fresh commitment to following Jesus today. I want to walk in that forgiveness. I want a brand new start. I want, to, I want to experience the healing that Jesus can give me today. With your eyes closed, you say, Chris, I want you to pray with me. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and then I'd like to pray for you. One, two, three, anyone like that? Thank you, see those hands. Thank you, thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, just put it on your heart. And this is a simple prayer that I want you to pray. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a prayer inviting God to take over your life. Church would, would like you to pray this prayer with me as well. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I put my trust in King Jesus. I thank you for the forgiveness of sin and the healing of my body and my mind and my soul. And I thank you, Father, for fresh starts today. I thank you, Father, for the healing work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can you give God a hand? As, 
as we close, I want you to stand. I, I want us to sing this song with the worship team. Mark's going to come up and end this service. But this is such a powerful song, so the worship team's going to come up. And let's just take two minutes. We're on time for the first time in a long time. Thank you, guys. I did it. God has done a miracle today. But let's just worship. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just speak His truth and healing in our lives. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.